After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. So glad you could download us at BaseballAmerica.com or at iTunes. Or, uh, of course, you could follow us. Follow Baseball America. We don't update what we're, where we're going for lunch every day, although I think we should at Twitter.com com slash baseball america that's really what we should do we should twitter every time that we go to uh, we should tweet every time we get a free lunch at williams which is our locally greek-owned restaurant very happy to run into the williams crew is it greek-owned it is greek-owned i ran into the williams crew at the, the midnight uh, easter pasca service wow, how about that a week and a half ago so uh yeah katrina and the crew over at williams if you're in durham corner 55 and 54 really more on 54 side well, we hardly endorse Williams. And, in fact, I might be going there for lunch today after this lengthy endorsement. We should make it the Williams <laughs> email inbox. But you can send questions to us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. We didn't get any podcast questions this week, but if you listen to the full pro podcast that J.J. Cooper and I did last weekend, or last week, Friday, uh, you would have heard we read three questions to the Baseball America podcast at baseballamerica.com inbox. So send those in to us, and uh, we'll get to them, I promise. If that was the pro podcast, I guess that makes this the amateur podcast, as Alan Matthews would say. It is amateur, and we're going to spell it correctly. I always love going back to Baseball America archives and seeing how many uh, how many times past web editors, and you know who you are, misspelled amateur <laughs> or amateur in the uh, in the in the, in the uh, HTML code, and we linked to one of them in the from the archives, and uh, we had to put the incorrect spelling of amateur in the magazine. Wow! Because otherwise, if you put it correctly, it doesn't it doesn't work. The link sure. didn't work. Anyway, back to amateur baseball. Aaron, this week's top 25, not a whole lot of uh, – it was chalk, chalk at the top. And that's actually a good thing compared to last week's poll. UC Irvine, number one, Rice, number two, Arizona State, three, North Carolina, four. Uh, the most interesting development in those top four teams to me seemed to be Josh Spence actually getting hit and getting hit hard for the first time yeah. in Division One. But Arizona State still – you know, really cruising atop the Pac-10. If there's any team that's 100% sure to win its conference, it seems like it's Irvine and, and Arizona State. Those two teams are so out in front in their respective right. conferences. It's really impressive to see good conferences, usually very competitive conferences, uh, with such huge leads. Arizona State dominating the Pac-10 right now. We've talked about the Pac-10 a little bit. I don't know if you want to riff a little bit about the fact that Washington State right now is number two in the Pac-10. Uh, can the Pac-10 get two bids? Three bids, four bids. This is the first time either one of us can remember the Pac-10 only having one ranked team, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably going to be a three-bid league. Um, it looks like Washington State right now is in position to be that third team, which is impressive. I mean, you know, I still think the Beavers are pretty safe. I, you know, I know it's not an overwhelming resume, and they've lost two series the last two weekends that they really probably needed to win um, against USC and UCLA. But I mean, you know. 
they're not gonna they're not gonna give the Pac-10 one bid. No, you know, I somebody think, else has got to be there. I can't imagine the Pac-10 is a one-bid league. And Oregon State's RPI is in the top 50 right now. Washington State's RPI is in the top 50. Those are the most likely teams. I yeah. think the key for Washington State is they have only lost the one series at Arizona State. No shame in that. And they didn't get swept in that series, which is actually very impressive. You're right. So I think you've got to give it up to the Cougars. Uh, they played a tough schedule in non-conference as well. I mean, absolutely. I think that they deserve to be right here in this discussion. Yeah, and they, you know, they're, they're pretty good behind the plate with Legree. They've got uh, Prince, uh, their two-way guy, who's still just okay. They've got a key senior back in Matt Way who leads yeah. their weekend rotation. I think it was a 36-round pick of the Giants last year. But, again, we've talked about this in the podcast. I wanted to bring up again. They got some seniors back uh, from the draft last year guys who've been drafted before who came back to school. And that's what has to happen for a program like Washington State to break back through. They have tradition way back in the day. Uh, you have to keep some of your recruits, and they did. Rusty Shellhorn, their freshman left-hander who set a Washington uh, State record last year with a 21-strikeout game. They got him to campus. I mean, he's up and down. It's like any freshman is going to be. But uh, that's what has to happen for a team like that. They have to get some top recruits into in the campus. A couple of years ago, they didn't get guys like Keaton Hyenga or – uh, Julian Sampson. I forget which one of those guys was a Washington State signee, and Travis I Mater. Know Sampson was. I mean, those guys, they had big-time signees who didn't get to campus. Um, this year, they're getting, uh, they got Shellhorn, they're getting some of these seniors back. So, I think kudos go to Donnie Marbit and Washington State for, uh, they're still not there yet, but right now they're positioning themselves, they're second in the Pac-10 uh, for a strong finish. We had some movement in the rest of the top 10, though, Aaron, and I guess the big conundrum was what to do with Texas. Uh, the Longhorns last weekend, a very impressive sweep of Oklahoma. This weekend, uh, the second time this year they've played a team from the state of Kansas, from the Sunflower State, get it right this time, and they don't win the series. In fact, they don't even win a game in the series. 0-5-1 against Kansas and K-State. This weekend they lose two out of three to Kansas State with the third game being a tie. Yeah. Uh, how do we decide where to rank Texas? What was your because deli- our deliberations were different? Right. And I, t- I turned out to be in the minority. I wanted to hit Texas even harder because their offense has just been so unimposing. But what led to Texas being ranked number eight? Well, I mean, the the fact is that they still swept Oklahoma last weekend. They so did. when you when you stack those teams up head to head, I mean, you know, they've got pretty similar overall resumes, except Texas swept head to head, and I know it was in Austin. It's still, it's still a sweep. It's a sweep is a sweep. I mean, you know, and I think that was the difference. I think if you're, if you're moving Texas down four spots, you're moving Oklahoma up four spots. They meet right about the middle, and Texas gets the edge because because of, of the head-to-head series. I mean, I, you know, and, and 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 you know, it's easy to to just want to kill Texas, and I, you know, I can certainly see the temptation because, again, you know, you lose a home series, almost get swept at home, you know, to Kansas State. I mean. It's not a great weekend, but really they've been pretty darn good this year. They've had two they bad been. weekends out of ten. I mean, and there's lots of teams in, in the in the rankings who've had two or three bad weekends out of ten. Not all of them have gotten swept. Right, and this also was only their second non-conference loss all year, the Rice loss. So they've yeah. been very consistent out of conference as well. Because they've got such a deep pitching staff. I think it's just I think the key thing really when push came to shove in the meeting to me was that Texas didn't get swept this weekend. That's true. Yeah, they didn't win a game. But they weren't like Baylor. Baylor got swept, so Baylor got run pretty hard. Yeah, uh, they that's did. six in a row too for Baylor. Right. That's a, that's an I ugly mean, stretch. When San Diego State doesn't win a game that Steven Strasburg pitches, when they go over non Strasburg, that's like getting swept yeah. for San Diego State. I mean, let's face it, Strasburg's another stratosphere, a Strasburg sphere, if if I might. Uh, so to me, you know, you kind of have to uh, really hit them hard when they lose a game that. 
uh, when they lose game when they don't win a game that, that he doesn't pitch. For Texas, they did not get swept. They didn't win that last game, but uh, that tie really uh, really helped them out. And you had, you had a lot of C- teams in here, Aaron, that did not win series. Uh, Texas, Georgia Tech, Georgia, all that took a little bit of a hit. Oklahoma goes on the road and sweeps Baylor. And the Big 12, Aaron, is really just uh, – it's it's been convoluted all year. But as as good as I think that division, that conference is, and I still think it's the best conference in college baseball this year, it's been a disappointment. I don't think there's another way to put it. There are more teams in that league than not are, are failing to live up to billing. Baylor hasn't lived up to billing. Oklahoma State hasn't lived up to billing. Uh, Missouri hasn't lived up to billing. Texas A&M hasn't lived up to billing, even though A&M's in first place in the league. I'm not saying it's not a good league. It is strong. I think it's a five or six bid league, not a six, seven, or eight bid league. I don't know if I agree with you. I know you don't. Because, first of all, I mean, yeah, Texas A&M, you know, they haven't played like the number one team in the nation, but they are still in first place in the league. And they're good. They're, I mean, they're, they're clearly and they're, good. And, and, I, and I can say it all year long, I still think they're going to be there at the end. I completely agree with you. I have a lot more confidence in A&M getting Omaha now than I did, say, a month ago. Sure. Uh, but I think, I think A&M has made adjustments, which right. all teams have to do. And they're moving forward. But, uh, I mean, if you look at the other teams here, I th- for me, I mean, Oklahoma has, has played up to and a little bit exceeded expectations. I, yeah, I agree. I, Texas I, is in the same ballpark. I yep. mean, you know, they're, they're still a top-10 team. Kansas and Kansas State are two big surprises that have sure. way exceeded expectations. Missouri, yeah, has been a disappointment. Baylor, I mean, until this past week, they were doing, they were, they've been in the top-10 all year long. They, they I mean, been, they they were really good. I mean, and, and they're not. I don't think they're a bad team because they had a bad stretch of six games. I mean, maybe they, you know, maybe they're not as good as they were early in the year. But I mean, I'm not ready to bury Baylor. I I don't not ready to bury Baylor, but boy, I, I gotta tell you, my confidence is shaking. You just six game losing streaks are hard to do when you have the pitching depth they have. That's the thing is that they give up a lot of runs for a team that has some big time arms, a lot of arms that have done a lot of good things. Uh, in their college career, and very, I mean, go ahead. The, the things the, here's what I worry about with Baylor because you're right. I mean, certainly on paper they've got they've got all the arms that you want, but Logan Verrett's a freshman, and right. it seems like maybe he's hitting a little bit of a wall. That's very possible. I haven't talked to anyone about that, but I mean, look, just looking at what he's done last couple of weeks, I mean, he you know, Start, he was dominant the first month. He started off in the bullpen, pitched well enough to work his way into the rotation, but now conference play got some scouting reports on him. He might be hitting the wall, like you said. It's understandable that he's struggling a little bit, but yeah. he might be if he's hitting a wall. That's a real question for them because Tollison's been right. up that, and down. And that's the next thing is Tollison hasn't really been fully healthy. He's had some arm soreness, and um, you know, and he's working his way back. And until this weekend, he pitched better of late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last week he was very good in relief, and this week he still was okay in relief, but he took the loss I think on Sunday. Uh, and then you got Craig Fritch, another really good arm, who is not reliable. Correct. I mean, that's he's a good just way to not put reliable. It. That's a that's a great way to put it. I think, you know, Texas Tech is not a regional team. Oklahoma State is the other big question for that's, me. That's I mean, Nebraska a actually, there. Nebraska actually won a game this weekend, so kudos to the Huskers for getting off the schneid a little bit. That team's really kind of been in free fall. But Oklahoma State's 6-11 and 11 in the league. I don't think they're getting to regionals. I, I have a hard time seeing how the Cowboys they're, get there. Their RPI is pretty high. Boyd's World has them at 23 in the latest update. We'll see on Tuesday afternoon you know, where the Cowboys fall uh, with regard to the official RPI. But 23, I don't see how that's getting it done. Yeah, I think they're about 1-4-1 one, and one in, in weekend series. I mean, to me, that uh, uh, that doesn't that doesn't impress me very much. That's you know? not a – yeah, there are. They're 1-4-1 one, and one in weekend series. That is not – a team that's lost four, conference, uh, four se- weekend series is not a regional team. 
Not when all of the things are equal. And they, they still have to you, go yeah, play Oklahoma. Look at their remaining schedule. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy because Kansas State is maybe even the hottest team in the league. Well, there's and there's one game. We'll see if the 141 pitches for AJ Morris yeah. comes back to bite K State this weekend because at some point he's carried such a burden. He's got to have one bad week. Right. And then Andrew Oliver is not a guy that you can really have a bad week against necessarily. He has struggled at times this year. He pitched real good, he pitched, real well on Friday. I was about to say he was great this weekend. So. Um, and then they have to go the, the Bedlam series with Oklahoma, and frankly, Oklahoma's been the better team no all question. year. No question. And then they have to finish up at Texas Tech, and that's not an easy place to go. So, And Texas Tech's beaten some teams this year. I mean, you know, give Dan Spencer credit. I think he's done a really nice coaching job there this year with, with some injuries. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it hasn't been easy, but those guys are, are frisky. And they have arms. Yeah, they You do. know they have arms. Uh, you know, depends on which ones are healthy. But they got four guys who've either shown good stuff or have been had some success in the Big 12 uh, in their weekend rotation. So – uh, t- t- that that conference is good. I think it's still a very good conference. I still think on balance, uh, it's not been quite what it was uh, cracked up to be at the beginning of this season. Uh, we're talking about the Baseball America podcast. John Manuel and Aaron Fit d- agreeing to disagree about the Big 12. Uh, moving on here, we did drop Baylor all the way down to 17 this week. Another team that moved back into the rankings is a team that I think is actually starting to be what we thought they could be this year, and that's Clemson. Let's, I think this is right up your alley. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Clemson Tigers. They had one of their best weeks of the year. They beat Coastal Carolina and South Carolina at midweek. Then this weekend they yeah. beat a Georgia Tech team that had been playing lights out, yep. that had been uh, having the best record in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now you have Clemson moving back in at 21, Aaron. Uh, talk a little bit about what the Tigers have been doing to get things done and how they've gotten back on the beam because it's not last year's excuse, Addison Johnson, uh, he's hitting 230 last time I checked. Uh, right. Well, they had tons of excuses last year. That was certainly a big one. But, I mean, you know, they the biggest thing is, and you're right, first of all, John, this is their very their best week of the year, not just one of their best. I mean, they, they you know, this is the first time they've really put together a stretch like this. I mean, two weeks ago they beat Miami. Uh, two out of three, and then the next week they come back and lose to Virginia Tech. You know, right, so like right. They, they've had their, their their glimmers this year, and they've played everybody tough. They played tough at Carolina. They played tough at Virginia. Right. Uh, and they couldn't win either of those series. And, and now, you know, I, I think they're, they're clicking, and, and it's because they've got – uh, a, the pitching depth, I think we saw this week, a five-game week, yep. and they go four and one. I mean, it's because they've got a lot of arms, you know, and maybe they still haven't really gotten their their weekend rotation solidified uh, because yeah, Dwyer kind of struggled on Friday. Right. And, I mean, Trey Delk didn't have that long of an outing on Sunday, but, but the, the, the reason that I like this team so much going into the year is because they have so many arms that – you know they can they can mask those things. And, yeah, they have and options. That's what they did on Sunday. You know they get three innings from Dalk. Okay, here's Graham Stoneburner for three, and I mean Scott Weissman. And they just they've got a lot of of really um, of really quality arms. And, and so it sounds, I like think Stein, that's, sounds like Stoneburner's uh, stuff has around. been very yeah. firm this year. Uh, doing some draft calls in South Carolina. Boy, it sounds like stuff wise, he has got as good a fastball as you're going to want to see out of Clemson. But they, I think you hit on it. They're, they're pitching. They have options. They've been inconsistent on the mound. And I think from week to week, they don't necessarily know who their top guy is. And that's why they've alternated. Well, sometimes Stoneburner's in the weekend rotation. Sometimes I mean, Dwyer is the only guy who's been in yeah. all year. Um, and like you said, Delk had been good, not as good this week, just as far as going deep into the game. Um, but they Casey have, Harmon's got a he's, – he's a really nice, versatile piece for them because he can be a left-handed stopper out of the bullpen, and he also – he was good in the rotation this week. I mean, he's – you know, they just – that's what I like, just the, the sheer number of arms on that. And guy. the surprise guy has been Tomas Cruz, who apparently has a real yeah. – just a, a real stopper kind of changeup, a changeup right. that can come that's in there it. and just 
uh, stop other teams. Righties and lefties, he's not afraid to throw it, and he competes like crazy. And uh, he's been a very versatile kind of moment of truth guy for them in their bullpen. So I think Clemson moving up to 21, I, I think it's kind of funny that Ryan Henson is just like a left-on-left guy for them now. Uh, he's got pretty nice overall number. That's a guy who's like their eighth or ninth guy. He's been pitching better them, lately too. And he has. And the thing that is other there, – he's, there's a little draft talk about him too – and this is a guy who coming into last year, I remember talking to a scouting director who was like, I really want to see Henson against Smoke and really see if he can get that cutter in, in Smoke's kitchen and see how Smoke handles it. You know, and that, that's the kind of way he was talked about last year. And now he's a, you know, he's a situational reliever. So that just tells you how deep Clemson is. Henson isn't at the level that he was as a freshman and a so- as a sophomore. His confidence is down. He's just not quite the same kid he was two years ago. But that's a guy that Clemson's kind of got in its back pocket. It's the kind of guy that – if they're in a loser's bracket situation in a regional, you could see Ryan Henson coming out there and throwing four or five innings, and that's why Clemson is so dangerous. So Absolutely. They have, they have depth of hitters. They have depth of arms. Uh, and, and another team, Aaron, uh, to wrap up the podcast this week, that's a, a big school, big-name school that's coming on finally is Florida. Uh, Florida Gators yeah. are really one of the top five teams in the SEC that kind of have been all year. We have them, I think, as the sixth SEC team in, right, if I'm behind, behind Alabama. Behind Alabama, which I think we think is a little bit more talented, certainly more experienced uh, with a guy like uh, Kent Mathis, the senior uh, outfielder, having the kind of year he's having, leading the nation with 23 home runs. But Florida, uh, it seems like getting Stephen Locke back in their weekend rotation, getting that senior, yeah. uh, clearing uh, the charges that he had earlier this year, the off-field incident he had, and now he's back. Now he's at the front of their weekend rotation. That really seems like it's made a lot of difference for them. They've had a strange year. They've been very up and down. They've been very prone to to sweeps or to being swept. Yeah, they really have. Um, but like, but you the know, opposite I mean, of Washington State in that regard. You're right, absolutely. But they, uh, you know, they're unstable. I think on the mound. I mean, it, it, like you said, Locke was was, a, was is a key guy for them. Uh, but after that, it's been freshmen. I mean, Anthony Desclafani, a guy that I really like, um, and then Alex Pantoliotis, the left-hander. I mean, a guy I really like. A guy you really Greek. like because he's Greek. And then, of course, <laughs> I mean, the guy that everyone really liked, Nick Morande. I mean, he hasn't been pitching that great. You know, yeah, he's not even in the rotation right. anymore. So no, you're right. He was the guy that uh, you would have thought if you're saying they're going to have to lean on a freshman right. this season. You would have thought Morande would be the first candidate. But I thought it was it was good that they didn't have to start Jeff Barfield again on Friday because Jeff Barfield is is he's got a good breaking ball, but he's really not an SEC Friday. Starter, and and I was worried about them when they had him as their number one guy. Yeah, that um, was a sign of weakness, not of strength. Yeah, but but now I mean I think if if if, if in fact Locke can stabilize that thing, um, I think they're in pretty good shape. I mean you know they've certainly got they've got speed and athleticism in the lineup, and you know Avery Barnes has had a really nice year. Preston Tucker has been a, a great freshman, probably on, on pace to be a freshman All American. Um, you know I mean I, I think the defense isn't as good as we thought it was going to be. You know when I saw them the first weekend of the year. Um, yeah, against Louisville. Against Louisville, I mean, they they were great defensively, and 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 you know, Sully was raving about how how although the talent they've got on the left side of the infield, and since then they've had some real problems defensively. Um, in nine sixty four, as a fielding percentage, is not this doesn't stand out. No. Usually, looking for nine seventy five or better. Those we thought this was really a standout stand defensive team, and that's what they were. That's what they were supposed to be, and they haven't been. So I, I'm still not a hundred percent sold on Florida. Um, but that's a it's a it's a very nice sweep against South Carolina. I mean, an uh, Eastern Division rival. And South I mean, Carolina have been playing better. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. They've won three of their last four weekend series. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so that's a it's a huge win. And the SEC Aaron really is shaping up. Uh, there's there's some separation. There's a top six. There's a top tier of about six teams. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, it's a top tier of four teams, and then it's two Alabama more. and Florida in the middle. 
That's a good I, way to For me, it. I think LSU, Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, and Georgia are, are – those teams are pretty interchangeable for me at the top. But I think there's a clear gap between those teams and Alabama, Florida. And I think you're starting to see there, there are three teams that pretty much don't have a chance at regionals unless they have a ridiculous right. finishing kick. Kentucky has just played its way out of it. Yep. Disappointing season, I think, by all accounts, for a team with that kind of power arms. And, yeah. and Gary Henderson's first year as a head coach, things just haven't gone as well there as maybe people thought it They're would. Just, they just don't have enough juice offensively. Tennessee and Mississippi State at 6-15 and 15 in the league. Those are not regional teams, both under 500. The real questions for whether the SEC gets its usual eight or nine bids are going to be Auburn, which yeah. had a terrible week this week, a uh, crushing loss to uh, LSU yesterday where they blew a lead. They lose Joe Sanders, who had 18 home runs to a broken jaw. Uh, we'll have some more it sounds details. like it's going to be at least four weeks on that. Yeah, deal. we'll have some more details on that actually in the draft blog. Uh, Connor uh, Glassy email with Joe's dad. So actually some good news on that. He didn't lose any teeth. Uh, that kind of stuff. His jaw did not get wired shut. So he, But still, Auburn is 25-19 and 19 overall, 8-13 and 13 in the conference. That's not a regional resume. No, it's not. And they've, and they've not played well the last couple of weeks when right. they really needed to. And I mean, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, they're on the bubble, too. That's it. Those are bubble teams. If those two teams both get in, then they've got eight. Yeah. But right now, you could see 50-50 on those two teams, yeah. right? I mean, I that's think, fair. I think probably both of them will get in. I agree. Because because there's there's you know there's a lot Who of leagues that are down. Team? I mean, what if you look at the ACC right now, I mean, Duke and, and BC are in kind of the same position as South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Uh, which one of those teams do you think is more likely to get eight? I mean, usually the SEC the gets SEC? more. No, you're right. And, the, and if you're looking at it from an RPI standpoint, that also holds true. The, yeah. R, the, the RPI likes SEC teams. I mean, even Auburn is at 39. That's higher than Boston College, uh, right above Boston College. Again, like we're using the boys' world ones this morning. Uh, South Carolina is at 33. So those are the, you know, the, the, the RPI likes those kind of teams. I still think that this year is a year where if the committee wants to, the Sun Belt, uh, maybe the Southland, but more like the Sun Belt. Uh, who's the other league I'm thinking SoCon. of? The Sub, the SoCon. Those leagues could be two or three bid leagues. Right. If only the Missouri Valley was a little bit stronger, that could be the a The Big a Ten looks like it could be. I mean, right now I think Illinois, a, Ohio State, Minnesota all look pretty good. That could be a three bid league. And Indiana's still right there, you know, maybe maybe got a chance to get the, at lar- the, the, the automatic bid. I mean, that's crazy that the Big Ten could be a three bid league. That's really uh, remarkable. And it if happened ever, a few years ago, and and I think it could very well happen again this year. If there's ever a year where the Big Ten should have a regional host, it's this year. If it's a three-bid league and Ohio State stays playing well, Ohio State should be a regional host. And maybe even could be a two-seed, which usually they host. Yeah, uh, right now I think it's it's looking like it. I mean, it, it's in that position. And I still I still look at Ohio State and I say, show me the quality wins. Who but have you beaten? I understand that they've got a gaudy overall record and a gaudy RPI, and the committee loves those things. And they also have a good ballpark, and people go to their games. You yeah. know, they're drawing a thousand people a game right now. And if they had a regional there, they draw probably. They they might fill up that four thousand seat sure. ballpark. And sure. they've had a they've had a regional there before. They've had a super regional there before. Uh, I think it'd be good if there's an excuse, and I'm saying excuse, and there's a justification for giving, uh, for ranking a Big Ten team, uh, or for giving a Big Ten team a, a host site. I don't know if Minnesota can host. Minnesota will not. Doesn't host. sound like they're going to host. No, no way. Um, they're more deserving. Yes. But um, and I think Ohio State is better. And right now, to I think host. Illinois is more deserving too. But I agree. Uh, if you're talking about who have you beaten. At least Illinois has their resume that. is much more impressive to me than Ohio State's. Uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, but and it's taken me a while, John, to come around on that, as you know. I, I wasn't going <laughs> to gloat. I'm just I'm impressed to hear. But you you know as you always keep an open mind on these things, Aaron. You are you have uh, you're, you're informed and you have your opinion. But if 
events on the ground warrant it, you'll you'll change your mind, which is more than I can say for my old self. Sometimes I like to stick to my guns a little too much. Uh, anyway, I, I'm looking forward to the. We're getting down to Selection Sunday very soon. We're gonna have uh, regionals. We're gonna have AC, We're gonna have conference tournaments. ACC tournament will be right in our backyard. I'm looking forward to all that kind of stuff. Uh, the bubble watch uh, getting going this uh, yeah. on, on the weekend preview. Uh, but I think this was a uh, one of our easier polls. But I think as we followed all year, the polls have been pretty difficult at the back of the rankings. So if we're just struggling to get 25 to sort out the 20 to 25, it's gonna be very difficult to sort out those 31 at-large bids. You're right. All right, for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Hope you enjoyed this week's college podcast. We'll be back next Monday with another one. Again, send those emails into us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Until next week, so long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.